0: I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Hi, dear listener. Well, it is a dark and rainy night here on the outskirts of Sydney, Australia. And the wind is so strong that it is blowing things around the street and around the yard and people have been advised to tie stuff down or bring stuff in from outside. It is one of these weather conditions that are created by a low pressure system out in the ocean to the east of here. And it does occasionally happen. High winds, huge surf, huge surf. I'm talking to you now, being able to hear the wind outside and the rain, and hoping that wherever this finds you, wherever you are in the world, that you're well and things are good for you. So for anyone who has listened to some of my earlier podcasts, you might remember that a lot of my earlier podcast episodes were created when I was sitting up on a bench overlooking the ocean to the east, the vast expanse of water and the horizon stretched out before me, and there's a a single bench up there, kind of contained or located in a little cul-de-sac And there are several little cul-de-sacs along this stretch of headland with the rocks cascading down from this elevated area to the water below. And this one particular bench is where I have enjoyed sitting most and where I felt inspired to make so many of my earlier podcasts. And just to say that here I am sitting at home The reason that I am now doing my podcasts at home for the most part is because I got new equipment and I'm able to speak to you, I'm able to sometimes play piano as I'm speaking to you at the same time, and the sound quality is better and so on, so that's sort of the explanation for the change. However, I still spend a lot of time sitting on that bench overlooking the ocean there up on that headland. And... Interestingly, on several occasions, quite spontaneously, there's been a sort of confluence or combination of events that has happened up there that has created an uncanny feeling as if you're almost transported into another dimension, as if some kind of portal opens and there you are because of what's happening in this place, feeling as if you've kind of entered another world, a different world. You're seeing the same ocean, but it's like some other feeling surrounds you and begins to infuse your consciousness and your being, your mind and your heart and it often is accompanied by a feeling of enormous, an enormous sense of awe. So that experience happened this afternoon, and that's why I was inspired to make this podcast tonight. So as I mentioned, there's a low pressure off the coast, and what it's doing is to create very high winds, like up to 50 and 60 mile an hour, And here I live on a peninsula, so there's water on three sides, actually. So this land mass is very exposed to the ocean, the power of the ocean, the winds that come across the ocean, and any of those three sides. And today, as often happens when there's very strong wind like that, The surf is really, really, really powerful. I mean, as you approach the beach, as I do from where I live, it's about a half a block, it's not far. I can feel the power of the ocean as I approach. Even before I can sort of see it around the corner, I can feel those waves moving. And as the wind is coming, over those waves, it's creating the spray, like these waves are rushing up and high, and then the spray, this white foam, is propelled off the top of them. It's an amazingly dramatic scene. And the waves are crashing at all places, not just close to the shore, as is usually the case, but also far out to sea. So the entire ocean, the entire sea, that entire expanse of water feels roiling, it's churning, it's roiling, it's moving with an almost supernatural power. I mean, it is awe-inspiring and a bit fearsome. (laughs) So the walkway that I travel about 10, 12 minutes from where I am, to get to that headland, that elevated area overlooking the ocean, travels along the edge of a little bay. But in weather conditions like this, that bay is not particularly sheltered. It doesn't provide much of a buffer for the power of those waves, you know, to protect the (laughs) landmass and all us pedestrians from those waves. So as I was walking along, I was trying to time my little sprints along this exposed walkway along the ocean to avoid getting inundated with the waves that were coming up over the railing It's a concrete walkway and then there's a railing and then there's a little bit of a drop and then the water is right below. And in weather like this and with waves and ocean conditions like this, those waves come right up and over the walkway. So if you time it right, you can get through without getting hit by a wave. But I didn't time it completely right. And two waves were coming that were bigger than what I realized, and they came up over the railing and just flooded the entire walkway. And my feet were suddenly immersed in three inches of water, and there was nothing I could do. So I kept walking. Soggy feet could have been worse, I guess, really. And after that, they actually closed the walkway, put gates up, and that was it. Posted two guys on either side, end of the walkway, and nobody could go through. So anyway, I got through before that happened, but I got, you know, pretty wet feet. Sat down at a fire near near a little gas fire at my favorite cafe, warmed myself up, had a couple of cups of chai, wrote some notes, did some writing, and then made my way up to the headland, to that bench that I so cherish and That's a part of my life. So I was really curious to get up there to see what was going on from that vantage point on that particular part of the ocean, because that is truly open ocean there. And those waves are, you know, when when we have conditions like this, they are huge. They're the biggest waves and you can see them down below. So it's an amazing view or vantage point to really get a sense of the ocean and its power. And In conditions like this, the surfers are out there, the best surfers are out there, and particularly in this spot, because this particular spot is called, I don't know if it's this is the official name, but it's referred to as dead man's. I am sure that there is a really good reason. (laughs) I can see the reason why it would be called that, because the rocks below, when surfers are out there, Or if boats happen to be out there, which has happened, and and the waves push them into the rocks down there below, it's a hazard like almost no other. But the surfers, the best ones, get out there in conditions like this because there's a chance that their efforts are going to yield the ride of their life or one of the rides of their life. So when I got up to this place, Indeed, there were probably 10 surfers out there. That's actually not that many, considering how many people surf in this area. But like I said, it was the best ones. And the entire expanse of view, you know, of headland, was lined with people watching those surfers below. Now, a lot of the people that were watching, you could tell were surfers themselves. And they were fixated, you know, they were riveted to what was going on below with these surfers who were down there risking their lives frankly to catch a great wave so I was watching this in and amidst these surfers and other people mostly surfers young people went men and women I the first thing I did was I asked one of the one of the surfers sort of near me I said how how big are those waves? And without blinking an eye, he just looked at me straight on. He said, 15 feet. Now, those are big waves. And then he said, it's like a mountain that crashes. So I'm telling you this, dear listener, because it's to give you a sense of, if it's hard to imagine, I'm giving you a sort of trying to give you a sense of how powerful the water is when this is what's going on. These waves are massive and these surfers, you know, tiny little beings on their surfboards bobbing in these conditions, just waiting for the right moment as the surf rises up and they rise up with it that they're going to step out onto that crest and head down the face of that wave. So as this was happening, all of these people lined along the headland lined you know watching this some with cameras iphones videoing it and so on it was as if they were one body responding because most of these people surf themselves they could literally feel the feeling of what they were seeing the surfers below doing and experiencing and going through it so it was like i was standing amidst people i mean we weren't huddled together you know there's still a sense of social distancing here. People are outside, they're not. That wasn't what was on everybody's mind, frankly. What was on everybody's mind was what was going on down there in the water. And as those surfers were endeavoring to catch those 15-foot waves, I felt like a surfer would come up and, you know, head out, and I could feel as if one thing, all those people around me moving with him, like their bodies, their minds and hearts, their physicalities were so in tune with what they were seeing the surfer, you know, a surfer do below, that it was like they could Feel it in themselves as they were watching. So, in a few cases, the surfers because the the waves were so massive, the surfers were coming up, you know, and and like I said, ascending up on those crests and then and then just getting on the, up onto their surfboard and then just dropping down the face of that wave. I could feel everybody around me feeling the feeling of what that was like, as if they were that person themselves, as if they were that surfer themselves. And when that person, there was one guy who came down and the wave broke right on top of him. I mean, I practically, you know, I have no idea how these people survive. I have no idea, right? No idea. And then you've got the rocks not that far away, so that's the condition. When the wave broke on top of him, it was like everybody around me went groaned like oh they sensed what that was like what that guy was experienced when that untold amount of water right crashed on top of him and no it was just amazing i felt like by virtue of my proximity to all these people around me, I felt like I was experiencing, you know, it's its almost like a holographic sort of experience, you know, surround sound or something like that. I mean, you literally feel like you're actually in the, in the event itself, in the thing itself, in the experience itself. So that happened. And then two other guys came, were standing next to me, probably late teens, early twenties, tall. They looked really athletic and they were watching. And I turned to them and asked if they were surfers, and they said yes. And they said, but we're not getting out there. That is just beyond us. And it wasn't like an admission of weakness. Believe me, dear listener, it was an admission of humility. Mm, that's too much, you know. That takes something that, that we don't have right now. You know? That was what it was like. So anyway, as I'm talking to these guys, this screeching sound came from behind us and a flock of blackbirds. Now, there are birds around here of all sorts, crows and magpies and kookaburras and and various sorts of, you know, rosellas and various sorts of amazing Australian birds. They're around here, even egrets. And there's a pair of sea eagles that, that circle. I see them often circle near my home, near the ocean circling over to look for fish this flock of birds wasn't like anything i'd seen before and those two guys next to me turned and looked over their shoulders up at those birds and they immediately started talking to each other about it so i knew there was something about those birds because i couldn't recognize them i had not seen those birds before you could almost mistake them for crows but they were bigger than crows and they were screeching they were all black kind of swooped around and landed in a tree not that far from us. And those guys started walking towards it. And before they left, I said to them, what kind of birds are those? And they said to me, those are black cockatoos. And I said, oh my gosh, I have never seen black cockatoos. I've seen plenty of white ones. You see plenty of yellow-crested cockatoos, but not black. I've never seen black cockatoos so these guys started walking towards those trees and i said i'll I'll follow you i'm really interested because they had their iphones out they were going to video these birds and i walked with them up to where these birds were and the birds were very um unafraid of our proximity to them they had landed in these banksia trees and they were clearly uh sort of enamored of the the banksia, these these hardened sorts of seed pods. So I think that they were eating from these seed pods. And they were all sort of scattered in, in among these banksia trees. And I asked the guys more about this, and they said, well, you know, these birds mate for life. The cockatoos mate for life, but these are younger birds because they're traveling in sort of a a, a pack. I don't know what the word is, a flock. And so they haven't yet separated off into pairs these guys seem to know a lot about these birds and i was happy to have found people who knew about what i was seeing because i think i would not have necessarily noticed although something definitely seemed different and they said yeah i said are these are these endangered is this an endangered species and they said well no but they're rare they're they're rare and, in fact, I had never seen them before. But I got a good close-up look at them, and they're absolutely incredible. Because, yes, you see parrots that are white, parrots that are multicolored. Black parrots are something else. And they have a sort of triangular yellow shape on their tail. So when they fly, it's all black, more or less, with a, this tiny little yellow triangle the end of their tail. And then they have a tiny little yellow bit sort of between their eyes like in their forehead and they're just incredible beautiful striking birds birds are just amazing these ones there's something about their the rarity of them and the fact that they're black parrots it was really quite incredible so i just started to get a feeling like I needed to go back to where all the surfers were, because eventually it looked like it was gonna really start to rain. I mean, we're talking about an incredibly low pressure system and the rain had let up for a bit. It was a blessed thing, but I had a feeling it was gonna start again. So I I said goodbye to the guys, goodbye to the parrots. I took a good look at them one more time. And then I walked back to the overlook where I could look at the uh, surfers before I left. And as I approached, there was a young woman Uh, standing there. I said, oh, are you a surfer? And she said, yes, I'm a surfer. She said, but that's too much for me. (laughs) Surfers are, you know, they know their limits. So I was standing there in proximity to her. The waves were getting bigger. They were actually, over that period of time, they had gotten bigger. And two waves were moving towards land. And she pointed out, she said, See those, she said, those are going to be the biggest waves yet. She said, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it from here. She said, when you're down in the water on your surfboard, you can't actually see it to that extent. She said, from this vantage point, I can see them now moving towards land. And I can, I, you know, it's possible to get a better sense of how monumental they are. There were two of them coming towards the surfers. As they approach, a couple of the surfers kind of went over the top of them and didn't catch either of those waves. But as the second wave approached, one guy came up to the top of it and then onto a surfboard and headed down. Headed down the arced face, blue-green, powerful, surging face of that wave. And he was who knows how fast he was moving? I mean, you're riding that was at least fifteen feet. That's massive. He was riding a fifteen foot wave towards rocks, you know. I mean I mean he was incredible. So anyway, so he's coming down the face of this wave and the wave starts over him, right? So this is this is the beginning of a kind of exceptional circumstance in surfing. I'm not a surfer, my absolute disclaimer, but I understand this a little bit because of watching it. So this wave arced over him, and it was so frothy and so powerful and foaming, and, I mean, you had no idea what was going on now inside of it. You had no idea if that surfer was even conscious, still surfing, wiped out, Who knew? You couldn't actually see inside the wave. It had arced over in this frothing mass of white, foamy water. This thing arcs over, and everybody stopped breathing. Everybody stopped breathing there on that headland, watching this, because they knew that there was a possibility, a small, slim chance, that that guy was still on his board. Everybody was hoping. Everybody was hoping. So the wave keeps breaking keeps breaking keeps moving away from us so you can't actually see into it you can't see into that what's called the barrel it's like there's a space that's formed when that wave comes over all right so it's coming over it's coming over it's coming over no surfer in sight who knows what's happening to him i mean everybody's praying frankly for his life you know because seriously you know i said to one of the guys i said this is not without its risks and he just smiled at me he said yeah So this wave is coming over, and the froth and the foam and everything like that. Everybody stops. Nobody's talking. Everybody stops. And in a moment of suspense, as the wave continues to crash, that surfer pops out the side of it. He had done something that is the pinnacle of the surfing experience. And again, that's because people tell me this, you know, and I've watched it and seen it. He was riding inside the barrel of that wave. And the woman next to me turned to me and she said, That was the ride of the day. You just saw the ride of the day. And everybody, when he popped out, it was like as if one person, as if it was like one body, everybody just cheered. There's it's something so beautiful about it. You know, there's not a feeling of competition. People are so in it with the sense of victory for the person who was victorious. It is a beautiful thing. And at that moment, this rainbow appeared. It was a rainbow that arced down from the center of the sky, apparently into the water near where the surfers were, waiting for those waves. After that guy had managed to ride that wave and come through the barrel. And the woman said to me, she said, that's everything. She said, that's the experience one hopes to have. And when one has it, you never forget it. At that moment, this rainbow appeared that seemed to sort of dissolve into the water near the surfers who were floating there. I mean, it was one unfolding miracle The whole thing. The black cockatoos, the surfers, the waves, that rainbow. The people who were there around me, who were cheering, who were feeling the excitement. I mean, there were a lot of people, dozens of people lined along the edge of this headland, watching the surfers below. And I have to tell you, dear listener, that that confluence of events, Everything that happened within that period of about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it was like there was another dimension, there was like some other energy present. I don't know exactly how to describe this kind of thing, but it has happened up there before. Rainbows, whales, other things going on. This was one of those moments. I can't say it; it's a common occurrence, but it's as if some other energy takes over, some other dimension. It's as if everything on on one level is the same, and on another level, something else is entirely, entirely is happening. So I really wanted to share that with you because you know we have uh, almost like a um, on this Earth plane, there is a a possibility of a kind of uncanny emergence or descending of of a kind of energy a kind of sense of presence and of unfolding that feels non-linear it's almost as if you're taken into a different sorts of sort of time frame or experience of space-time you know i don't know how to describe it i feel like i'm kind of in a dream with what's going on and yet everything is familiar but also there's a kind of dreamlike quality to everything. The significance of that is something I'm going to have to think about more, but perhaps you have some sense of it. Perhaps something has happened for you or to you that has a kind of similar feeling, where there's almost this dreamlike quality, you know, almost a magic, some sense of another dimension or reality interpenetrating with this one. And there's such a sense of bliss in it too and joy and awe. Those are the emotions, bliss, peace, joy, awe, delight. These are the things I really feel like, dear listener, are central to the lives now that we can begin to create and to live where those qualities are just filling us, filling our lives and coming to us and we're cultivating our awareness of them, and our ability to even, you know, participate in the experience of those feelings. So with that, I will sign off on this rainy, windy night here, close to where all those waves are still breaking out there in the darkness. And I wish you the very best. Okay, take good care. Bye for now. Bye. Music